and welcome to the Gemma's Journey podcast. In today's episode, I talk to Matt Ricardo. So, hello, Matt, and welcome to the Gemma's Journey podcast. Would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners, first of all? Hello, Gemma. Um, yes, uh, my name is Matt Ricardo. Um, I am a variety performer, a comedian, a writer, a YouTuber. I, I make stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so this podcast, as I say, is called Gemma's Journey. And I'm really interested in hearing how other people's journeys all started. So, yeah, how did your journey into performing all begin? Well, um, when I was a, a kid and a teenager, I was very shy. Um, my all of my sort of hobbies were the sort of things that you do on your own. I was into writing video games and that sort of thing. I really wasn't outgoing at all. Um, and then I was on holiday with my parents in uh, North Yorkshire and I saw a street performer and he was a juggler and he wasn't a spectacularly great juggler, but he was a good performer. He was a showman, you know, mm. and I immediately just fell in love with what he was doing, which I still think is kind of magic. The the idea that a street performer takes a, a place that isn't designed for a show, just a street corner, or in, in his case, just a little sort of piazza corner bit by the seaside, and just you just turn it into a theatre and gather a crowd out of nowhere and, and create something special out of nothing just by using skill and craft and art you know so I I just fell in love with that and I watched he was there for the whole week I was there for the whole week I watched every single show and went through the stages of wanting to be his biggest fan and then by the end of the week wanting to be him (laughs) Um, and and that was the start of it I went home and uh, there was a pet shop at the end of our street and I went to the pet shop and bought three rubber dog balls and got a book out of the library on how to juggle and started teaching myself to juggle. Wow wow <laughs> that's amazing I love that I love that story now obviously the tricks that you do you know in your show do require you know skill and technique of a high level so how long is it taking you to perform all of these tricks at such a high standard that, that you do them? Um, (laughs) I mean, in terms of, you know, high level, I mean, that varies from trick to trick. Um, (laughs) Some some of them are are, are fairly difficult, like the one of the tricks I'm kind of known for in in my own tiny little world is um, that I I pull the tablecloth from a fully laden table, then I put the tablecloth back on the table underneath all the things. And now, for me, these days, that is not a hard trick, but that's because I've been doing it for 30 years. Um, when I first thought of it, no one else had ever done it before. So I had to spend quite a long time working out if it was possible and if so, how would you do it? And, you know, so that took a good year at least before I could do it pretty reliably every time. Um, So that's pretty tricky. But a a lot of the things I do, or no, maybe not a lot, but some of the things I do, they're not spectacularly technically difficult there might be a little a little twist to something simple that that hasn't been done before that makes it a little bit a little bit unique a little bit mine but mainly i'm you know i'm a showman so it's my job to 
to try and convince the audience that everything I do is is the same level of almost impossible, even when some of the things maybe aren't so much. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have a favourite trick that you enjoy doing? You know, is there one where, I don't know, the, or you always get a really good reaction from the audience or you just enjoy doing it personally? Have you got a, sort of a favourite trick that you really enjoy doing? Yeah, there's a, there's a couple. I mean, obviously, like, a, you know, the, the trick I just mentioned, the reverse mm. tablecloth, because I invented that and because it's the thing that kind of is the finale to my my standard cabaret act. And because most audiences don't see it coming, mm. you always get a nice, a nice surprised reaction to that. You know, I'm, I'm very lucky in that every so often from an audience, I'll get a genuine gasp and that never loses its... It, it, it's magic that that will always be special because you can't plan to do a gasp it's involuntary mm-hmm. so whenever I get one I, I you know in my head I'm like right I won I won that one you know it's like that's my job is to make them gasp <laughs> um so yeah I like that trick because it's become my kind of trademark but the the great thing about about what I do for me is that it's always evolving there's always a new trick you know there's always something that that will be one of my favorites because I've not been doing it long so at the moment there's a thing I do with a knife where I, I, I bang the knife between my fingers um, and then I do the same thing blindfolded. Um, and I've only been doing that for about four or five years now, which I know seems a long time, but, you know. Um, so that's still one of my favourites because it's new and, and, and I like how different it is to most of the other things that I do. It, it gets the audience quite anxious, <laughs> which is fun. <laughs> But um, yeah, the, 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 yeah, like I say, the great thing for me about what I do is that there's, you know, my favourite trick is the one that I'll have the idea for tomorrow and then spend the next year or so slowly kind of forming together. Yeah. So, and is there a trick that, you, you know, you mentioned knives there, you know, that's quite, quite dangerous. You know, so is there a trick that you do that you get nervous about, you know, because I've got to imagine you have to really focus on what you're doing and pay attention. If you slip up, you could have an accident. So if you've got a trick that you think, okay, I need to really focus here because I'm a little bit nervous about it. Yeah, I mean, that, that trick with the knife, I always make sure that I'm, uh, that I'm quite well warmed up before yeah. I do it. Um, in one of my past shows, and, and I don't do that many dangerous things, but it, it's nice to throw something in there every so often. Um, in, in a past show, I, and I just did this for a year, uh, I juggled three electric carving knives jammed in the on position, which, you know, in, in show business, when you do something dangerous, it's supposed to be, um, you know, it looks dangerous, but really, there's a trick to it and you're safe with that one that was legit um that there was no trick to it i yeah i would just put a elastic band around the handle of the knife that that kept the the button pressed down and i juggled three of them and it was stupidly dangerous wow i mean again, my palms are sweating just thinking about that <laughs> excellent um i mean you know and again it was great because if you're a decent performer um you can convey to the audience that this is completely real mm-hmm. and you get a reaction from the audience that that most you know that that, that not many other forms of theatre can get mm-hmm. you know that kind of yeah. they don't want to watch but they can't look away you know yeah. <laughs> um, and I did that for about a year and I never super enjoyed it because I knew you know that you know all it would take is for something to go wrong and I could I could have lost a finger 
Um, I didn't lose a finger and I thought, right, well, let's just, when I move on from that show, let's leave that trick behind. Because otherwise, every other time you do it, you're pushing the odds of it going wrong, you know? So it's like, well, I did it and people that saw that show saw that trick and I'm not going to touch those knives again. Yeah, yeah, good, good, good idea. <laughs> now, I've seen you perform many a times and I do love the way you, you, know, you capture your, your audience. You know, you've got them in, in the palm of your, of your hand. How do you do that? You know, how do you manage to keep us you know, watching you at all times? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, the, the short answer is, I, I don't know. I don't know that there's an easy, an easy answer. Mm -hmm. I, um, I'm lucky in that I started, you know, the first 15 years of my career, I was a professional street performer at, at Covent Garden and around the world. And it is the absolute best training school for learning that thing that you're describing. Yeah. Um, because on the street, there's, you know, you have to gather a crowd who weren't planning on seeing a show. Mm -hmm. You have to convince them to stick around for 20 minutes, half an hour, even more, mm -hmm. and not walk away. And then at the end, you have to convince them, or at least some of them, to voluntarily give you money when they could have just watched the show and, and walked away, which a lot of people do. Mm -hmm. So you have to you have to do this, this kind of weird magical thing where at the beginning you have to earn their trust because you're just a, a weird guy shouting in the middle of a street. <laughs> You know, and most people, when that happens, they don't go, come closer, they move away. <laughs> so you have to dress and behave and talk in such a way, and it's, it's a million tiny little details, but in such a way that they will, they will look at you and they will think, he knows what he's doing. And if I walk away, I might miss something interesting. Yeah. You know, and then the structure of the show has to say, look, you know, um, if it, it if you stick around for this long, I'm, at the end of the show, I'm going to do this. And you've never seen this before. So you're just going to have to trust me and just stick around. And then you'll see that in 15 minutes time. And, you know, it, there's all these little tricks. But I think all those little tricks of theatre together form what we refer to as like stage presence. Yeah. You know, that thing where you can just walk on and without doing anything, just by the way you hold yourself and the way you look at the audience and the way you, you dress and stand you can, the audience can think, okay, this is going to be something, you know? Um, so, I, you know, yeah, so I, I think if I am any good on stage, it's because I was a good street performer. Um, so, you, you know, when I come on stage, I kind of, I want to grab the audience by the, by the lapels and say, look at me, don't look away, don't blink, you're going to see something, you know? <laughs> As well, I mean, we can't, you know, ignore what you know what 2020 brought us. And like everybody, you know, it's, it's affected everybody, that including the arts. So, how was lockdown for you? Were you able to adapt? Because I imagine you know, you can't really do any of your tricks. Well, I guess you could online and do it at home. Were you able to to do that, or was was that not not the case for for you? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the, the last year and a half ha has been um, not not the best, certainly not the most profitable of my career. Of um, I had, I mean, in, I guess it was March 2020, within about a week, I had an entire year of like all my gigs cancelled within a week, international touring, um, I had a West End run, uh, premiering a new show at the Edinburgh Fringe, all just vanished. Um, and yeah, I did do some some stuff online. You know, the, 
after after it became apparent that we were all going to be at home for a while shows started ha happening online streaming shows and shows on zoom and i did a few of them and, and it's it's fine i quite like working to a camera but it's not you know the, the the stuff that i do it's it's kind of the whole point of it is that you're seeing something before your very eyes yeah you know you're you know you're in the same room as something that you've never seen before and if it's on a screen well then you've probably seen it before because everyone's seen everything on screens you know <laughs> So it doesn't hold that same kind of kind of magic that, that live does. Um, yeah. You're not getting having, an audience reaction, are you? You don't, you don't necessarily get to hear the, the gasp, or you, know, you don't get that sort of, you know, that, that relationship with the audience. That's exactly right. And, and you know, because I, I you know, I'm, I'm, I'm also a comedian, you don't hear the laughs. So mm -hmm. you just think that you're doing really badly all the time. It's not the most, the most fun. But what I did do over the last year and a half is, um, because I knew I wanted to keep creative because otherwise, you know, for someone like me, it, it maybe sounds a little arrogant, but I don't think I'm any great artist, but it is a very huge part of, of me is to, to make things. Um, and without it, it, it feels like a part is missing. So I, I did lots of writing. I, I, I started a podcast with a, a, an American writer um, and I, I worked really hard on my YouTube channel. I, I started, you know, I learned how to make short films um, and and really sort of committed. Well, if I haven't got an audience that's live, I can. I've got an audience on YouTube, so mm -hmm. I can still make things for for them, and I'd be really enjoying that. So, in that sense, that's been a positive. But um, but yeah, it was it was a, sh a shame. I did miss the shows. Yeah, but I guess you no know, theatres and restrictions are slowly starting to to open. Have you been able to return to theatre, or have you got some shows coming up in, in the future? Yeah. Um, it, I've, I've been doing some shows. I've been um, going back into, I have a residency at a, a venue um, just off Piccadilly Circus called the Crazy Cox, which is a lovely cabaret, West End cabaret venue. I've been, I've been doing a, a few shows there. Um, and, and yeah, you know, a, a few cabaret shows and theatre shows are starting up again and I've been, I've been doing some gigs. It's weird though, because um, I, I, I don't, I don't want to seem ungrateful because of course, you know, especially after the last year or so, if someone wants to book me for a gig, I, I, I want to do the gig. I miss audiences and I miss seeing my friends in dressing rooms and, you know, the community of that. That's all really precious to me. But at the same time, there's a little voice in the back of my head that's saying, should we be doing this? The, you know, mm. the, the, the cases are, going, are still going up. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it's, it, we, we seem to have sort of decided that it's over and it's, it's really not. So there's this very strange feeling I have when I'm going to do a gig where I'm like three quarters of me is excited about doing the gig and seeing my friends and having some fun and, you know, all the lovely stuff about my job. And then a quarter of me is like, but I hope everyone makes it out okay. And I hope yeah. that by doing a show, I'm not making it worse. And it's really weird and it's a very odd sort of um, uh, clash of emotions that I'm going through. Yeah, yeah, it is odd. I mean, I've only been 
since you know, everything opened again. I've only been to the theatre once. I mean, I am going this week again, but yeah, it is hard, you know, because, you know, I want to go to the theatre, I want to appreciate art, I want to be entertained and, you know, support the arts and support our local venues. But yeah, at the same time, thinking, oh my God, I don't want to be the reason why this theatre has shut or, you know, for God, you know, someone ends up getting ill. And I think it's just up to everyone's own, you know, way, I guess, as long as they feel safe and they're following the, the guidelines and you know, they're wearing masks if they, if they want to and things like that. And then I guess that's, you know, anyone, what anyone can, can ask, you know, it is a difficult one. Yeah, it is. It's, um, I mean, without wishing to, without, without wishing to be too political, it's, I think, when there hasn't been such great guidance from the government, then everyone's left to make their own decisions and and not everyone's going to make the right decisions and then everyone's going to feel weird about are they making the right decisions and yeah it's just it's very complex I mean that's that's the the story of the last year or so is that it's all very complicated and stressful and you know no one is um is is feeling sort of super chill and relaxed at the moment everyone's oh god oh god oh god you know yeah yeah but I think on the other side as well you know I think you know, from, obviously I'm based in the North East and I don't know about, you know, London and things like that. I'm assuming it'll be the same. I think it's been fantastic that theatres have been really open and honest and clear in their restrictions, you know, and what their processes are now. You know, I've loved watching videos of how to enter a building, you know, all the staff wearing masks, regular sanitisation, you know, if you feel unsafe, you're allowed to leave. So it's, it's good that I think from, you know, an audience perspective, the theatres have put in to their best of their ability a lot of the you know safety procedures so it's it's good that they're showing all the things that, that they're they're doing to make everyone you know artists and audiences feel feel safe yeah no i absolutely agree yeah, yeah. um and and the, the bottom line is it is it is my job to you know when we're all feeling a little bit more anxious on a day-to-day level than we we usually do traps it yeah. is my job to to give people an hour where they can forget about all that and so can I you know that's just as valuable for the performer as it is for the audience and just for an hour we can have a nice cocktail and I can you know arse around on stage doing stupid tricks and doing bad jokes and we can all laugh and just take a take a rest from the you know hellscape outside yeah Yeah. (laughs) Definitely. No, I agree. And that's what I love about the arts. And, you know, you touched on there at the start. You've been a part of the, you know, the British cabaret scene for 30 years now. What's it been like? You know, what is it like to be part of that, that cabaret cabaret world? Because as, as an audience member who's been to see a range of cabarets, it's always fun. And, you know, I always experience, you know, I have a wonderful time and I've come out of it feeling really joyous and smiling. So what is it like as an artist to be part of that, that industry? Um, it's it's fantastic. Um, you know, the, the thing about people like me, and, and I think this is true for, you know, most people who you will have seen doing cabaret and burlesque shows and stuff, is, you know, for me, it, it's, it's searching for people that are like me. Um, it, it's searching for those, I always refer to them as the broken biscuits. Um, it, it, it's people who, who are, you know, it's, it's searching for a, a family of like-minded artists. And that's what I found when I was younger in street performing. And that's what I also found in the cabaret and burlesque world is, is just this community of um, fantastically creative, motivated, entrepreneurial, smart, um, 
performers and creatives and promoters and and um, and musicians and choreographers and and technicians. You know this whole sort of little community of of, of creatives. And the the great thing about the cabaret and burlesque world is that it is quite heavily female run, female led. Um, you know, you go to any cabaret show, most of the performers will probably be female. The person running it will probably be, be female. Um, the person paying the checks will probably be female. Um, most of the audience will probably be female. That's that's so rare. Um, you know, if you if you go, you know, because I've worked a bunch of different circuits, if you go to the, the stand-up comedy circuit, it's completely the opposite. It's all just white guys. And it's so boring. Mm -hmm. um, there's such little diversity um, or, or, of every sort. So yeah, so I really value that in the, in the cabaret world. Um, and yeah, it's become, you know, many of my, of my closest friends. Um, I, I'm, I'm privileged to, to also say are people whose work I admire, people that I admire as artists. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's whenever I go and do a cabaret show, I, I never don't look forward to who will be in the dressing room that I can hang out and gossip with. That's one of the yeah. best parts of my life. <laughs> yeah you know it's fantastic you know as I say when I always go you know it's so welcoming and it's so colorful and it's vibrant and yeah I feel like you know artists like yourself you know you're so friendly you know I'm so grateful that you could do this this podcast you know, we could have said no but thankfully you know I'm grateful you said you said yes and so are many artists you know I mean Frisky and Manish I've known really well I've become good friends with them and you know you do end up having a, a nice relationship with artists and it's great to see that you are all such a such a friendly bunch like sometimes it can be a little bit like overwhelming thinking oh I'm a little blogger who wants to talk to me but it's lovely that you know you are so open to sharing and talking about the amazing work that you all you all do I mean yeah no of course I mean and, and you know um yeah Frisky and Manish perfect example wonderful people fantastic performers I mean just the level of of comedy writing and musicianship in that act is astonishing um yeah. Yeah, um, I haven't seen Frisky Manage for ages, but then it's been it's been a year and a half. I haven't seen anyone for ages. <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and, and also I think there's an element of, you know, if in, in, in the cabaret industry, you know, no one is is becoming a millionaire off it. You know, we, we, we do OK, but, you know, it's still mostly fairly small venues, fairly niche audiences, which is one of the reasons why it's it's lovely, you know, but no one's no one's getting super rich off it so we're all doing it you know we must be doing it for another reason yeah. you know and we're doing it because we give a shit you know because because yeah. we care about it and we care about each other and we care about the sort of show that we can that we can deliver that that, that is something people haven't seen before in terms of individual acts in terms of voices diversity of voices all that stuff Mm -hmm. um so we can you know hopefully send audiences back out into the street going holy cow what was that you know yeah. um yeah. and that's that's really valuable as you know when we've got the internet so you can see anything at any time we can still show you something you haven't seen and that's that's pretty great that's what I love, you know, like you say, yeah, you can watch something online, but you know, what you do is totally different and it's not, you don't get that, that same, same buzz. So yeah, definitely we, we need a cabaret and, you know, performing in our, in our lives. <laughs> so mm -hmm, I think so. 
Yeah. So if listeners are thinking, you know, actually, I'd like quite to do do what what Matt does and learn to juggle and and do all these tricks. Can they do that, or are they are they too late? You have to sort of you know you'd be learning you know way ages ago, or can they learn and, and do what what you do eventually? <laughs> um, they certainly can do that. I mean, I would rather they didn't. I don't need <laughs> taking my gigs. Come on now. Um, <laughs> yeah. No. Of course. Of course. Um, I mean, the core of what I do is is juggling. That was the first thing I learned, and 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 you, you can learn to juggle. Anyone can learn to juggle at any point. It's easy. You can learn to juggle in a day. You say um, that, but I cannot <laughs> juggle. My grandma, bless her, she's up in heaven now. She used to be able to juggle, and she was so good good at it. She had like juggle socks and then little bean bags. She could, like she was a proper pro at juggling, and I can never do it. And I still cannot juggle. So you say it's easy. I can't do it. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's easy, but like like most things that are easy, um, you have to know how to do it. It's yeah. you know, but but it's but there's a couple of little tricks to it. But once you once you sort of suss the tricks out, then it clicks. Um, and if you go to my YouTube channel, there is a five part how to juggle um, series there, which takes you through the five stages. Each video is only about three minutes long, um, and that will teach you to juggle. Maybe I should do that then. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll have a go. I'll, yeah, I'll have a go and then I'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> so if people want to find out about you, Matt, and you've mentioned your YouTube channel on your website, where, where can they go to find out more about you? Um, yeah, uh, my YouTube channel um, and uh, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, it's Matt Ricardo, one T in Matt. Um and also I have a podcast uh, together with the American writer Bill Barol, which is about creativity. Um, and that's called Imagination and Junk. And you can get that wherever you get your podcasts from. But yeah, apart from that, yeah, come and, come and hassle me on all the social medias. <laughs> yeah, fabulous. Well, thank you for joining me on, on Gemma's journey today. You've been, been lovely to talk to. Thank you again. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to series four of Gemma's Journey podcast. If you liked this podcast, then please do share with your friends. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the episodes. And of course, if you do want more, then I'm Gemma's Journey on my blog on WordPress. So please do check that out. <laughs>